So today, I'm continuing the series uh, on the blessing, which is basically how do we apply the teaching that we heard before Christmas. If you didn't hear that, you know, check that one out. And uh, we felt that we wanted to spend more time actually thinking how do we position ourselves for blessing? How do we make the most of the opportunities that God gives us? You know, how do, how, what, what do we mean when we say, you know, this is a season of favor and we have this open heaven? And, and what can we do to, to, take, to, you know, to, to avail ourselves of it? So I want to today uh, talk about holiness. A what? How does, how does that fit in? Well, uh, I'm not quite sure, but Dennis said I had to do it, you know. But uh, <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, holiness. You know, it's something that is, is actually a little bit uh, of a, a difficult one for us. Uh, because we are followers of Jesus, we know God is holy, but holiness is something that uh, we're not always too clear about. And in fact, uh, it's something that the world is not too clear about either. In fact, the biggest problem in terms of our work and witness outside of these four walls on a Sunday morning is the way we present ourselves, the way we are in our society. I mean, the church, as you as you're well aware, is actually viewed very suspiciously because whilst many in the world have no problem with God, many actually have no problem with Jesus. Some have never heard the name of Jesus and we've really got to you know, work hard to make Christ known. But the trouble is, so often, and this was certainly my own testimony, is the church because there seems to be a disconnect between what we say we believe and holiness. Christ-likeness, if you will. So, you know, people look at the church and they see people who are, you know, morally uh, questionable. You know, we, we have a very poor record in terms of our sexuality and our approach to, you know, uh, sexuality. And we, we seem to tolerate all sorts of things. So it's just like society. What's the difference? There's the whole integrity issue, you know, the, the way we, we kind of, the church as a whole has a bad tr uh, track record of covering up, you know, moral failures and trying to, you know, and, and, and disreputable behavior in terms of finance and all the rest of it. And actually also, it has a pretty poor record, and I'm pleased to say that we're trying to put something right about that one, in its relationship with the disadvantaged and the poor in society. It's always tended to the church has tended to associate itself with, with you know, the, 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 the political classes and, and, and the affluent. It likes to be in that place of privilege and prosperity. And so there's a big disconnect. And that disconnect is what I really want to sort of talk a little bit about today because I'm going to, because I'm going to use that word holiness. You know, God says, my apologies to Karen here because, bless her heart, every time she's on the AV thing, I always mess the talks up, don't I? <laughs> Sorry. We'll get there, all right? Um, but God says in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, Be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. Well, what do we mean by that? And if, if that's important to God, and, and we're saying how much we love God and we love to be in his presence, you know, what are, what are we going to do about that? What do we think about that? Well, you know, I'm going to try and tease that out a little bit. This talk, actually, it has to be said, we've decided is going to be a bit of an introduction because the more we talked about this, the more we wrestled with misunderstandings within our society and misunderstandings within the church itself, we decided it was worthy of, of a series. And so I think it's going to be end of May, beginning of June, something like that. We're going to do a, a series called The Difference. 
uh, and we're going to tease out this holiness thing. So you won't get everything that you know, the scriptures say about holiness today, but I do want to give you a point, and poss- possibly the, the one thing I want you to take away is that holiness is an invitation to know God. Holiness is an invitation to know God. Anyway, let's uh, look at the scriptures, and I want to read a story, a parable, which I'm becoming to appreciate, but for a long time I've had a real problem with it. It's not been one of my favorite ones, and you'll see, because it seems to go a step further than we really want to go in Vineyard. So turn with me, please, on your smart devices, in your Bibles, or indeed it'll come up on the screen, to Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to try and read this with meaning, but without thrashing my voice at the same time. Matthew 22, Jesus spoke to them again in parables. A parable, of course, is a story uh, which communicates a spiritual truth and insight. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who've been invited that I prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find, anyone. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the good, the bad, as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there that was not wearing wedding clothes. Huh? He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. It's the last part of that talk that I've always struggled with to some degree. The first part of it, uh, and many of you will you know, understand the, 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 what Jesus is getting at here. For some of you, this will be entirely new. But Jesus is actually in the, the company, when he's preaching in this point, with, of the religious leaders and elders of the day. And actually, he is giving them a slap on the wrist. And what he's basically saying is, you know, he said... He's saying, I've come, I'm the Messiah, the one that you would be looking for, and yet you don't want anything to do with me. And what's more, God our Father says, he sent many prophets through the centuries to you, servants of mine. What did you do with them? You gave them a beating and you killed them. And so he's actually railing against the religious authorities, the teachers of the day. They were hypocritical. They were hypocritical. And he was giving them a bit of a ticking off. And of course, they knew what he was saying, which was not a great way to influence friends and influence people, you know, win friends. But then he goes on, and this is the bit that Vineyard has always loved. And in fact, in Luke 22, there's a similar parable to this. And, 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 you know, but it doesn't go into the third section, which I'm going to pause on in just a moment. 
The second section is this. So, so God says, right, if they're not going to come, if the ones who are supposed to be here, you know, the religious ones, you know, the children of Israel who are actually supposed to be, you know, excited about what I'm doing, if they're not going to come, right, folks out there, invite anyone you can lay your hands on. Drag them in. And I love this kind of thing. This has been part of who we are for 30 years. The vineyard is a, is a, is a, is a people who are trying to understand the grace of God, that actually everybody is welcome around God's table. Whatever your background, it says actually the good, the bad, it doesn't say the ugly like the, the movie, but so the ugly aren't, uh, are they? Maybe we'll let the ugly in as well, all right. Good, the bad, the ugly, all invited. And, and I've loved that. I love that about the vineyard. I love, you know, the testimony that we had from Carol and Tracy and Heather and the team. You know, you know all comers come to feed. But that's not the only ministry. This church is a church where all comers come to it. Sometimes that's a challenge. Sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes it ends in tears. But whatever, all comers are welcome. All comers are welcome. So I've always loved that. But then this goes on one step further. And it kind of... I think, what? And you remember the story, I just read it. So everybody, all these people are pulled in off the highways and byways and corners and streets and all the rest of it, right, mixed bunch of people. They all come in and the king comes down. Everything that's been, been he's asked for has happened. You know, the place is absolutely rocking, having a great time. And he comes down there and he sees this one bloke who hasn't got the wedding clothes on. And he, sets, he sends his servants to set upon him and they grab him and they throw him out. They throw him out into a terrible place. Now, what's that about? What is that about? Now, a little bit of background here, which may or may not help you, is, and I, I've not researched this myself, I was told this, so I'll just pass it on in case it helps. But apparently, in this culture at this time, when there was a wedding and you invited guests, you were supposed to provide them with a kind of a tabard, some sort of thing that went over the top of their day clothes. And so rather than like Carol and Tracy are going to have to do, go out and get some new, new kegs, you know, whatever, um, for the party up at the Queen's Place, um, the Queen would provide all the clothes. So you didn't have to worry about that. So as you came in, you'd be handed this sort of fresh linen thing, which you sort of put on or whatever, wrap around yourself. And so you, you, the clothes were provided. So somehow or other, if that be true, and as I say, I'm not entirely sure, but... If that were true, somehow this, this poor bloke got in and, uh, uh, but wasn't given some clothes. So he gets set upon and thrown out. It's a bad deal. Now actually what God in Jesus is alluding to here is that, as he says at the end, you know, many are invited. Many are invited. Not everybody chooses to turn up. We see that. But those who do turn up some of them, they hang back. Some of them, they, 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 want, they want to go to the party, but they don't want the hassle of buying the hat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, do I, do I have to, really? You know? It's profoundly disrespectful. <laughs> you have to have the hat, don't you, Carol? Yeah. None of these silly fascinator things. <laughs> but actually, he's making a serious point. You know, getting into the kingdom of God, getting through the gate is, is, is only the beginning of it. You know, I made that step. 
I'd actually had to do it twice. It didn't seem to work the first time. But, but the first time I did it, I was about 12 years of age. And then when I was about 24, by the grace of God, I'm, you know, things really kicked in for me. And that was all of God's mercy to me. And I've been pressing on in ever since. And it's this thing called holiness. People want the benefits of knowing Jesus. They want to know that they're forgiven and they get to go to heaven. Great. Got that sorted out. You know, now I need a partner. Now I need a great job. Now I need a new car. Now, et cetera, et cetera, whatever your, your agenda is. But when it comes to God, that's not enough. It's not just being invited and coming through the door. Actually, there needs to be that work which the Holy Spirit does within us of transformation, and that's called holiness. Holiness. It's not enough just to show up at church. It's not enough to say, I'm a Christian. It's not enough to sort of stick up for God when, when, the, when the conversation in the pub gets a bit raucous and somebody starts mouthing off about God and you say, well, I'm a, I believe in God and so on and so on. You know, you can, you know those, I've had those moments uh, and you feel pretty good about yourself, but actually God's not impressed. You know, the trouble is that too many Christians are living with, with, with a, an overdeveloped sense of, uh, an overdeveloped sense of, of, of what they might do one day. Good intentions, that's the word I'm coming for. Good intentions. Now, good intentions are dangerous folk. They really are. I've spoken about this before, and I don't want to go off on one here, but good intentions are dangerous because many people live a life full of good intentions. And what it tends to generate in them is the illusion that they th think of themselves, I'm a nice person, I really am a nice person. I'm always, I'm always sort of, you know, believing the best for people and wanting the best for people, etc., etc. It's all going on in their head, but actually nothing actually happens. One or two people are rigging and wriggling and smiling at me. Oops. The truth of the matter is that it's what you do. It's what you actually do that matters. It's no good thing noticing a dear little old lady in, standing in the rain at a bus stop and thinking, oh, somebody should stop and give her a lift. Poor sweetie pie. You stop and give her a lift. We've all done it. I've done it. I've done it probably most, more than most. But it's actions. And that's what holiness is. It's, an act, it's, it's not an attitude. It's actually, it's, it's action. I really am going all over the place, Karen. I do apologize. I'm so sorry about that. But in order to understand this a little bit better. Um, let's just, uh, let me just see what I'm going to do next. Yeah, I'm gonna, let's put up that quote from Simon Ponsonby, which I really like. Thank you. The invitation to holiness is the greatest privilege offered to humanity. Simon Ponsonby, a great, a great friend of the vineyard, a theologian uh, out of St. Aldate's, Oxford, and somebody who speaks regularly at our National Leadership Conference, he's just written a book called Different. And uh, one of the little quotes which I immediately sort of jumped on was this one here. The invitation to holiness is the greatest privilege offered to humanity. So when Jesus, when God, when the Holy Spirit says in 1 Peter 1, be holy because I am holy, and it's, it's in a whole host of other areas, but that's very succinct. Be holy because I am holy. What God is really doing there, he's not giving us a slap. He's not saying, behave. 
play nicely, be good. He's not saying that. When God says be holy, what he's actually doing is inviting us to press on into his presence. We've just sung how much we love his presence. It's an invitation to know God better. Hands up if you want to know God better. I can't imagine there's a man jack of us that wouldn't want to know God better. And the way we press on into his presence, the way we get to know him better, is by trying to put on Christ-likeness. We're going to teach some more about this, but it's, it's about living as men and women of integrity. You know, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And in the 21st century, that's good advice for anyone, follower of Jesus or not. There's far too many people who make rash promises that they don't keep or, or they, they articulate a good intention which they have actually no intention of, of, of honoring. You know, as a workmate, as a college student, as a friend, as a family member, if, if you're not going to do what you say you're going to do, just don't say it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You may, it may be simple. It may be simple 101 courtesy. But the truth of the matter is that that matters to God. Jesus never said anything that he wasn't prepared to do himself. Take up your cross, he says. Well, well why, why don't you take up your cross? Well, he did. You know, there is this sense that we've really got to understand that, that actually what God calls us to is a higher way. I like to call it the royal way. There's the way that everybody goes, and then there's the royal way. Jesus spoke about a wide way and a narrow way. I call it the royal way because it suggests to me doing life in a way that is honoring, honoring of others, be they people of faith or not, but doing it because you honor God. And so this, this call to holiness, this Christ-likeness, it is an invitation to know God better. And as you begin to do that, and as you begin to walk uh, in holiness, and a lot of people say, well, I wouldn't want to be that. I don't want to be some old sort of horrible old monk or saint or something like that. I'm not like that. Well, yeah, I'm not talking about that, actually. I'm talking about you being you, being true to God and true to yourself. But let's let our words, let's gain a reputation for being honorable in keeping our word. Secondly, as I've already said, you know, this, this whole business of, of, of sexual morality and, and the way we approach sexual ethics, uh, we, 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 we really, really, really cannot judge people on the basis of their sexuality. We really cannot do that. We've got to embrace them. We've got to include them whilst, at the, whilst never compromising the high standards that we, call, we are called to. And there's a difficulty there. Is one of the reasons why the church doesn't speak out more loudly is it's rife with sexual immorality. I know as I, stand, as I sit here talking to you, there are, people, there are folk here, brothers and sisters of mine, who are struggling with pornography, men and women. Some of them who are mulling over affairs, who are... Uh, fixated or fascinated by workmates and colleagues and fantasize about, you know, whatever. You know, these, these things weaken us, folks. They really do. 
And so we've got to get real about this. No wonder the world doesn't respect us, because we're just like the world. We've really got to show a lot more grace and a lot more reality. Now, one of the things that this church does, one of the things that this church does is that uh, we offer a number of, of, of means of, of helping you, you know, get real, get serious. Connect groups, of course. Our Sunday teaching, we, we, we never hold back the punches. We, there's a lot of hugs and comfort, but there's also, we try and teach it right the way it is. But also, we run this fantastic course. We've done it for a number of years in the autumn called Restore. Dennis and the team are going to be leading that again. Many of you have been on it. And it's, it creates a safe place for you to, to really look at some of these things and, and get into the teaching, get into the, you know, the understanding. And then having, having read and studied and considered and prayed and discussed and asked questions, all the rest of it, there are also going to be folk who are going to give testimony. Week by week, there's people who give testimony. People who you will recognize, who will say, you know, for years I struggled with this. Or for years I struggled with that. But by the grace of God now, you know, with the acceptance and the love and the, and, and, and the encouragement that I can walk free of this, people have walked free. So that'll be coming up in, in uh, when is it we start that? September. September. And uh, look out for that. Uh, you know, God forbid that this church should ever be a place that we just show up and we smile sweet and we just look nice and then we go away again. This is, this is reality, folks. And this is what I'm talking about when I'm saying holiness. And of course, you know, the, 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 you know, the care for the poor. The church should have a compassion for the poor. That's what you know, the book's about. It says it's, you know, God is being compassionate towards us because he sees us as poor. We may think, well, I'm doing all right, actually. I'm not too bad. But the truth of the matter is, when you compare yourself to God, you know, we're all poor. And God's point is quite simple. I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to show you good news. I'm going to show you grace. That I want you to do that to others. And we cannot draw a line and say, well, I'm, I'm okay with these kind of people, but I'm not with those. We, we, we have to accept all. And, we, and some people are just going to get cross with us and walk away. Some people will disappoint us. Week by week by week, you know, one of us on this pastoral team is in tears about somebody. There's always people who are sort of going away, leaving in a huff, who will not accept it. But there are others who are coming towards us. And then often those who have gone away, three years later, come back. You know, it, just what they call it pastoring, I guess. But the reality is this. We're serious about seeing the Holy Spirit work Christ-likeness in us. Don't get hung up on God saying, be holy for I am holy. It's just the core. It's what a disciple looks like. Now, when you understand that, you'll understand the end of Matthew 22 a little bit better. Because there are people who are content to come in through the back door, who are content to sort of, you know, turn up high feasts and holidays, content to do Christianity without connect groups, without giving, without you know, compassion for the poor, without these things. They, you know, they're nice people. Some of my friends are like that. But the reality is, you're not clothing yourself in Christ-likeness. And you may be able to deceive me, but you cannot deceive God. And there will come that day, and it will be a great day and a wonderful day, a day of great rejoicing, but it will also be a day of great weeping, because there will be those who will get a tap on the shoulder and the angels will say, I'm very, very sorry, but um, would you come this way, please? 
God forbid that you come to the vineyard and you don't understand that there's more than just getting saved. God forbid that you don't understand that God is inviting you into an intimate relationship with him where you begin to know him as he truly is, not the way you thought he was or your dad told you or the priest told you or whoever told you, where you yourself discover what God is really like, full of grace and mercy. That You can't get up that close if you've got filthy clothes and bad breath. Where did that come from? <laughs> you can only get up that, that close when you say, yes, Lord, I want to get serious. I want to deal with my stuff. God help me. God help me. I think I'm done. My voice is going. Let's have the team back up. Uh, why don't we just stand? I'm going to pray. Well done, Karen. Sorry about that, Gail. Good job. Okay. Holy Spirit, it's true that we don't understand exactly or always what you mean when you say be holy, and something in us recoils from that. Lord, let, let us just put that away now, and may we take seriously your, your invitation to be holy, to be like you. May we work with you, Holy Spirit, to deal with our stuff, the stuff that we've done and the stuff that's been done against us. And Lord God, may, may we come into your light without fear, with confidence. May we submit to your transforming power, Holy Spirit. May we nurture one another and love one another and build the kingdom of God here in a way that is demonstrably real so that men and women may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And everyone said, Amen.